The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven.
Ecclesia, it is great to be together as a family. This continues to be a challenging season in so many ways. This week has seen the anniversary of the death of Breonna Taylor, killed as she slept in her own home. Just even in recent days, a series of shootings in Atlanta uh, and continued violence toward our brothers and sisters of Asian descent. And it's a year since life effectively shut down for most of us throughout the course of this pandemic. And so, so much grief we continue to hold. And yet we look ahead to Resurrection Sunday, just two weeks away, and we know that God's story is so much greater. So I invite you to pray with me as we begin our time together today. Lord God, we thank you for the precious gift of this day. And for this time as a family, we know that you, as we sing so often, hold it all. All of the grief, all of the joy, the laughter and the tears, the deep aches that your spirit says groans inwardly, groans too deep for words. And so we pray that you would form us, continue to shape us as your people to be about your work of justice and love and mercy, wholeness and reconciliation in this world. May that be so, Lord, as we lift up this time to you in worship and prayer. We pray all of that in gratitude and great hope, abiding in your promise in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ecclesia. Let's worship together. on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassions, blot out my transgressions. And would you create in me a clean heart, O oh God? Restore in me the joy of your salvation. The sacrifices of our God are a broken and a contrite heart against you. clean heart. 
clean heart, oh God, restore in me the joy of your salvation. Wash me white as snow, and I will be made old. Wash me white as snow. Wash me white as snow, and I will be made old. Wash me white as snow. And would you create?
Ecclesia, we are a community which has been richly blessed. And we believe it is our call as a church to hold uh, all of the, the gifts that we've been entrusted with, to hold them loosely, to share them generously with the community and with the world. And so I invite you to join me in this offertory prayer. In this Lenten season, we journey through the wilderness towards the cross. We walk in the path of our Savior. Christ withheld nothing, not even his own life. We seek to follow in simplicity and sacrifice, sharing generously not only our resources, but our whole selves for the sake of our neighbors next door and around the world. With this offering, we plant hopeful seeds in the desert, trusting in the fruit that God will bring forth. Amen. Hello, everyone. I will add my own greetings and welcome to you, whether you are in Houston, another city, state, or even country. We're so glad you're here. I now get to share a few invitations and gratitude with you. Outdoor services continue at both Westside and downtown at 9 and 11 a.m. Join us for worship, prayer, communion, and a message. Register online or on the Church Center app to let us know you're coming so we can prepare to receive you well. But if at the last minute you find that you can come to one of these services, we are keeping space available for you too. We'd love to see you. Speaking of services, Holy Week is coming. Join us on Thursday, April 1st for a Maundy Thursday service at 8 p.m. on Zoom. There will be a guided liturgy, communion, and multiple voices leading worship that will lead you and your family through this sacred night. For Good Friday, our team is working on a beautiful and thought-provoking service for you called Death of Gods. We will be exploring how the things we thought would give us purpose and completeness, like acclaim, power, relationships, become gods in our own life and ultimately let us down. We will be sharing stories, music, and liturgy together as we engage in Good Friday. This will be fully online and available to watch anytime on Friday, April 2nd, and will also be streamed on Facebook at 6 and 8 p.m. that evening. And then Easter Sunday, we will celebrate Easter together at White Oak Music Hall on Sunday, April 4th with special musical guest Thad Cockrell. Services will be at 7.30 a.m., 9 a.m., and 11 a.m. We will be spaced out safely among the lawn and be able to celebrate the resurrection together as a church family. 
You can sign up today and let us know you're coming at EcclesiaHouston.org. We also have an online service made available for those of you who are from out of town or would rather stay home this Easter. And as a reminder, we invite you to download the Church Center app as an easy way for you to sign up for outdoor services and other events. So I am especially excited about this next opportunity because it's something many of you have been asking me ever since this pandemic started. When can I start volunteering again with outreach? Well, the answer is now. Here are our current volunteer opportunities to serve the unhoused sisters and brothers in our community. Sundays, where you will help package and prepare grab-and-go bags and coffee setups. Also on Sundays, with the kitchen team, where you'll be cooking and plating hot meals. And finally, on Sundays, Tuesdays, or Thursdays, where you will help load our van and transport hot meals, water, and setup equipment to our distribution sites. For more information and to sign up, go to ecclesiahouston.org outreach. We'd love for you to prayerfully consider joining us. Ecclesia, it's your continued generosity that makes all of this possible for us to be the hands and feet of Jesus in so many ways. Thank you. If you would like to continue to contribute to our efforts locally and globally, you can give in three different ways. By texting your donation amount to 84321, through that easy church center app I referenced earlier, or by going online to ecclesiahouston.org slash giving. Seems like a good time for a deep breath of gratitude for all of the ways that we get to work together. And now it's my delight to introduce Pastor Sean, who is bringing God's word for us today. Hello, Ecclesia. It's great to be with you. And it's been wonderful the last couple of weeks that some of us have been able to gather in person at both of our campuses, both downtown and at the west side at nine and 11 to be there together and worship and see faces that we haven't seen in some time. And I tell you every now and then, I wonder about all of these people that God's given me, not just my close friends and my family, but the people we worship with, worship with online and worship with in person. And I wonder what would my life be like without these people and their faces that I clearly see. And in almost every case, I come to the same conclusion that my life would be so much less without some of you, without this particular community, without particular people that God's brought into my life that I'm so glad that I've had the opportunity to know. And the reason that's important to me is because I'm drawn back to the reality that the church, this thing that we are together, not a place we go, not a certain set of things that we do, but the people we are together, the church, is a unique community in the world designed to do unique and beautiful and powerful things in the name of God. And that we are all 
so different, but we are all brought together. And, and that, that's actually the point. That's actually what is the driving force behind the church is this community of people who are separate and together all at the same time, who handle their separate separateness and their distinctiveness well together. And I bet that if a lot of people were to hear about that, that to hear that the church is a unique community where all of the world comes together, that there would be some people who would be legitimately surprised by that news. And I've talked to you before about this idea that some churches and some Christian leaders have, and it's called the homogeneous unit principle. And the basic idea is this, that if you want a church to grow, just to have a bunch of people in it, the best way to do that is to gather a bunch of people who are very much the same, who look the same, sound the same, drive the same kind of cars, have the same kind of socioeconomics, and you just build something that all of them would like and gather them together. And I gotta tell you, that really works. That works to build a big church but it doesn't actually work to make disciples, to make people who are actually representative of who Jesus is and who God is, this God who is three in one because foundationally to who we are is a fellowship of people who are different from one another. My friend Scott McKnight writes about it in his book, A Fellowship of Difference, this way. He says, the church, to get some idea of the church, to get a concrete idea in our own heads right away, we need to see that these early Christians did not meet in churches and sit apart from one another in pews. Obviously, they weren't in a pandemic. And then when the music ended, just get in their cars and go home. These early churches were small and were much closer to home Bible studies than most of our worship services. Recently, a careful study by a British scholar concluded that if the Apostle Paul's house churches were composed of about 30 people, a maximum estimate, this would have been their approximate makeup. He says a craft worker in whose home they met, along with his wife, children, a couple of male slaves, a female domestic slave, and a dependent relative. Some tenants with families and slaves and dependents also living in the same home in rented rooms some family members of a householder who himself does not participate in the house church, a couple of slaves whose owners do not attend, some freed slaves who do not participate in the church, a couple homeless people, a few migrant workers renting small rooms in the home. Add to this mix some Jewish folks and perhaps an enslaved prostitute and we see many different tastes were in a typical house church in Rome men and women, citizens and freed slaves and slaves who had no legal rights, Jews and Gentiles, people from all moral walks of life, and perhaps most notably people from elite classes, all the way down the social scale to homeless people. Do you think these folks agreed on everything? Was it hard? Yes. That's the whole point of what it means to be church. And so what we know from history is that the church, this early church, there are lots of different kinds of people brought together because of Jesus and all of those people at different and varying levels of their own commitment to Jesus, some exploring and some committed, but all welcomed. So Philip Yancey writes about the early church and he says, 
this. He says, when I read accounts of the New Testament church, no characteristic stands out more sharply than diversity, the primary testing ground of grace, beginning with Pentecost, a gathering of people from many countries. The Christian church dismantled the barriers of gender, race, and social class that had marked Jewish congregations. Now, aren't those two really different pictures of the church? Like one picture that says, just get together a bunch of people who are exactly the same, and because they're exactly the same, they will agree on most things, and we won't have any tension, we won't have any need for grace or growth. And this one that says, oh, when it comes to Jesus, everybody is welcome, none more so than anyone else, and we all work it out together, and it's a whole lot more messier, it's a whole lot harder, but it's the church. The reality is that one of those pictures of what it means to be the church is just more like Jesus than the other. And so church leading up to Resurrection Sunday, our Easter weekend together when we will gather at White Oak Music Hall, Pastor Chris and I have been walking you through some of the events on the night that Jesus was betrayed. And it's not a whole lot of things, but they're all crucial. Jesus gathers his disciples, he serves them, he eats with them, he washes their feet, he sings, he prays. And what I wanna talk with you about just for a little bit is that prayer of Jesus. Because this is the last time that Jesus is going to pray for his disciples. He's leading up to the cross and this becomes a crucial, crucial conversation that Jesus has with his father. Well, I don't know what your life is like, but I don't have disciples, but I do have children. And because I do have children, I have a sense of how important it would be to leave them with a picture of the life that I wanted for them. And that if I were going to leave and if I were going to go away, if I knew that I was going to pass, there are some things that I would pray to God about that I would want to make sure that got vocalized from me to God about them. I would pray about their future. I would pray about their life, whether they would choose to get married and who that partner would be, if they would choose at some point to have children themselves. I would pray about how they should relate to one another. I would pray about taking care of their mother and being good daughters to her in my absence. And I think that's a little bit of what Jesus is doing in John 17, when Jesus prays to God on behalf of his disciples. This is what Jesus prays to God. I will no longer be physically present in this world, but they will remain in this world. As I return to be with you, Holy Father, remain with them through your name, the name you have given me. May they be one, even as we are one. While I was physically present with them, I protected them through your name. I watched over them closely and only one was lost. The one the scripture said was the son of destruction. Now I am returning to you. I'm speaking this prayer here in the created cosmos alongside friends and foes so that in hearing it, they might be consumed with joy. I have given them your word and the world has despised them because they are not products 
of the world. In the same way that I am not a product of the corrupt world order, do not take them out of this world. Protect them from the evil one. So this is one of two prayers that Jesus prays going to the cross. And you know the other one because Jesus goes to God and he just asks God that if there's any way that the cross can be avoided, that he would rather have that than actually go to the cross. But in the end, he says, but your will be done. And the reason that Jesus can pray that prayer is because he's the same person that prayed this prayer. And there are some core things that Jesus leaving his disciples wants God to do for them. And the first is that Jesus prays about presence. He asks God that God be with them as he returns to the Father. And Jesus says, while I was here, I was able to protect them, but I'm not gonna be here in the same way anymore, so God be with them. And so when Jesus prays this prayer, he's just not making a laundry list of things that he wants us to know about. He's articulating for us a way of being in the world being his people in the world. And that is and begins with presence, that they are going to be in the world, that we are gonna be in the world, and we can't do that well. We can't do that rightly without presence and committing our presence to this world. I I remember when our girls were little, and you know, Rochelle and I were reading all these kind of books about raising healthy kids and being emotionally available. And one of the things that stood out to me was this advice to never punish your children with the absence of your presence. So some of you know what that's like. You've had a parent, maybe even a spouse, who when they get upset, they just sort of check out physically. But but that does some things that traumatizes in a particular way because we all know that presence is crucial that there is healing and presence in just being there. And so as Jesus goes to God, he says, God, I need you to be with them because they're going to be in this world. And that's crucial for us to know that the intent for our lives is to be in the world. And Jesus says later in the prayer, He says that this is a corrupt world and they will be rejected because they are not part of it. And this is a challenge for us because the truth of the matter, church, is that a whole lot of us are just too much like the world. And we've taken our opportunity to be present in the world and just become a part of the world. And there's nothing really distinctive about the way we speak, the way we work, the way we move, the way we have our being in the world. And Jesus says, if you want to be my followers, I'm asking God's presence to live in you in such a way that there is hope and healing and love and joy and faithfulness and fruitfulness that's in you. That's not in the world. To be followers of Jesus means being present in ways that other people simply won't or can't be present present in and to the brokenness around us, present when people are hurting and in need of healing, present when we'd we'd rather be someplace else doing something else. And we'd be kinds of people that we would just be the kinds of people who show up, who are there, who are available. 
And then Jesus prays that this group of people, that they would demonstrate a oneness, a unity, like God and Jesus are one. And unity is really difficult because there are so many hindrances to unity. So many times when someone upsets us, says something, flies off the hand, and we don't want anything to do with those people. Like there, there are people for you right now where you look at how they think, how they act, how they vote, and you say, I don't wanna be anything if it has to do with them. I don't wanna be anywhere that has to do with them. But when Jesus talks about unity, Jesus isn't talking about agreeing on everything or liking everything that we all do. Matter of fact, later on, the disciples have all kinds of disputes and sometimes they settle them in a way that they can be physically present together. And sometimes they settle them in a way where one goes one way and one goes another. When Jesus talks about unity, Jesus is actually talking about unity of purpose in the world. Same kind of purpose that he demonstrated to the world. Sacrifice and love and joy. When Jesus talks about healing, he is not so naive to believe that good people won't disagree, but he does believe that good people will love one another even when they disagree. And Jesus is teaching us, unity is not what you do when you agree. Unity is what you do when you disagree. And then Jesus prays that we be protected, that God would protect us because Jesus knows what this world is. He's, he's headed to the cross. Jesus knows what this world does with people who are loving and gentle and kind and sacrificial. They kill them. And as we step into the Jesus life, a life that is marked by kindness and peacemaking and joyfulness and love of enemy, Jesus knows what's ahead of us too. And there have been for some time and throughout history, Christians who want to take power and control and be dominant in culture. People who want to protect themselves with the same tools of protection that the world uses. But Jesus is going to the cross. And Jesus says that you too, that we too, will have a cross to bear. So church, as we enter into these days, getting to the cross, there is a reason why we celebrate Lent. Because we're not just documenting what Jesus does. We are stepping in to what Jesus does. And we are joining him in doing. So this is our call.
to not only receive the blessings of our Lord, but to bear the cross of our Lord. And trusting that through Jesus, God will answer his prayer for us to be protected and we would live as Jesus lived, knowing that as long as God is with us, we have nothing to lose. Ecclesia, let me pray for you. God, we join Jesus in praying for your presence, for a unity of purpose and for your protection. And trusting, Lord, that all of your promises are answered yes through Jesus, that we enjoy them and that we will continue to experience them. So would you give us the boldness that Jesus showed for us, that Jesus demonstrated to a life full of purpose and meaning and healing and love and joy. And we ask it in your name, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Sean, for bringing us a message of encouragement, challenge, and hope. Sisters and brothers, it's now time for us to come to the table, not necessarily hosted by me, but hosted by Jesus. Jesus is the one who invites you to the bread and the wine. And before we partake, as we are encouraged in scripture, let's come to a time of confession. Join me. Oh God, as you search us and know us, we open ourselves to you. Grant us mercy, grant us grace. When we avoid examining the state of our own hearts, but quickly sit in judgment of others. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. When we are disciplined in the pursuit of earthly abundance, but invest little energy or enthusiasm in the treasures of the Spirit. Be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. When our concern lies only with our own comfort and pleasure, as we avert our eyes from the suffering, injustice, and violence inflicted upon others, be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. When we demand instant results and scorn those who find value in waiting, in yearning, even in suffering, even in dying, be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. Through this Lenten journey, may we remember and receive the love and mercy that you have already displayed on the cross. Guide us through this arid desert and ever toward your resurrection life. Amen. Sisters and brothers, as Jesus partook of this meal with his disciples, he broke bread and said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat it, remember me. And he did similarly with the cup. 
offering his disciples wine and saying, when you drink of this, remember me. And that's what we're asking. That's what we're inviting you into, a time of remembrance. This is the body broken for you. This is the blood that has been shed for you. Taste and see the forgiveness and the redemption. Amen. everything bound by death's hollow sting does your compassion not extend to me where are you where are you oh bring me solace bring me rest my king I'll march on and sing Into the valley I will seek Your peace lay on my chest And bring me rest, my King Well, the storm has come and gone Yet the sun provides no Prepare your shelter when there's nothing left to come home to Mercy shine through Oh, bring me solace, bring me my King Even in defiance I'll march on and sing Into the valley I will seek Your peace lay on my chest And bring me rest My King
gosh, I'm so grateful for our, our worship pastors and our band for continuing to lead us in, in music every week and how that stirs something in our souls. I get to now invite us into a time of kids' blessing. Last night, Jir and I watched a movie called The Hunt for the Wilder People about a, a young boy who is part of the foster care system. And so today for our kids' blessing, I'm gonna adjust just a little, and I'm gonna ask that you would bring to mind, bring into your heart the name of a child or maybe a group of children that are going through a really hard time right now. And today's blessing is especially for them. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, you love children. You, in the scriptures, say, let the little children come to me. We have children in our community, around the world, who are hurting right now, and they need you. They need to experience the love, the grace, the gentleness, the kindness, the forgiveness that you offer. Through your Holy Spirit, God, allow these children to feel those things. And God, impress upon us to be those things for these children as well, filled by your Spirit to love and serve these precious children in need. Amen. Ecclesia, as we consider the ways that Jesus prayed on the night that he was betrayed, I thought that perhaps for a benediction, we would keep things simple and pray together the prayer that he taught us. And so join me as we pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Ecclesia, be well. This week, may God meet you in surprising, powerful, tangible ways as you seek to live and love as his people. Dwell in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.